0: That's good, too. Thank you. Then I'm going to say hello. Hello. I actually wear in a different setup, and it does sound better, doesn't it?
1: It does, and it feels more natural to just be across the table looking at you than, like, weirdly turning my head and staring directly to your eyes.
0: You're like, what? Okay. Hello. 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 How are you? <laughs> I'm good. good. How are you? Good. But also, Hello. I'm Drew, and I'm Olivia, and if I know us, then we are oddly curious. Oddly curious, and we are, and we are because you know us. Yeah, and welcome. welcome. Hello, and welcome. (laughs) Hello. It feels like it's been a long time since we recorded, but it really hasn't. No, I think it's just because a lot has gone on.
1: I think it's just the weeks have felt long, (laughs)
0: long, arduous. I. Were you going to I say arduous? Not, I was going to say arduous. Earlier, we did a clap at the same time to sync ourselves up. What if we were instead like, arduous? <laughs> oh my god! You're gosh. like, and recording. That's going to be our new sync up. It's just <laughs> three, two, one, arduous. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a word that doesn't get used very much, but it's a good one because it means a lot.
1: Yeah. I, feel I mean, like it
0: literally means a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot.
1: It feels like a very austinian word
0: oh wow austinian that's great i'm like i'm sure i didn't make that up but no but i like it okay that's i mean that is what it is i
1: doubted myself when i said austinian and i was like
0: i mean why wouldn't it be
1: those who get it because get it's
0: it. like you're not i mean austin like sounds a little like yeah it sounds like elementary I'm a common folk oh exactly. <laughs> what are we say <laughs> i'm not common folk on um, elementary <laughs> I'm getting all high and mighty yeah not us not this podcast no. and especially not us in general no um but yeah so a lot has gone on what mm-hmm. has gone on for you um
1: well I tried to fix my sleep schedule this week mm-hmm. uh did because... it work no mm. <laughs> because of my job and just because of like some busy past couple weeks, I haven't been able to fall asleep until like three in the morning. Mm, so I was I feel like, that. you know what? I'm just going to stay up for a whole day and then just go to bed the next day. And surely that will fix my sleep schedule. And I did get a little nap in just so I wasn't like completely exhausted, but instead I went to bed and then I slept till 2 PM the next day. Ah, so that did not, not work fixed. no,
0: and Except then, I can't imagine that being good because you would need all that sleep anyway.
1: Yeah. And then last night, I didn't fall asleep until like three, and then I woke up at seven thirty. Wow. And I just stayed awake.
0: Well, that's kind of like the rest of us. Yeah. Because we all have to get up so early. You have the the great job schedule where you do not have to get up early for work.
1: Yeah. Usually, like. I mean, I'm pretty bad at falling asleep, but even three o'clock is bad for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, that's pushing it for me because I'm not a good sleeper either. I am a, I'm a midnighter Mm -hmm. easily. Even if I have to wake up early, earlier we were talking about bad sleep and I was like, you know, it's bad when you see that it's 11 and you're like, oh, it's still early. No, that's not normal. I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. I got to start thinking it's early at eight. And we've already talked about my weird
1: goblin cleaning habits, which is like, I'm like a little goblin that comes alive at night and it'll be like one in the morning and I all of a sudden have a burst of energy
0: and I'm like, I'm going to clean the kitchen. But I actually think that's the best time. I know.
1: And then I play like, you know... That like fun medieval tavern playlist and it's like... Because you're closing your tavern. Closing
0: your tavern. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: I thought you were going to say, and then you play Murder, She Wrote in the background. Nope, that's very different. I mean, that too. It's either Murder, She Wrote or Medieval Tavern. (laughs) Those are the two choices in life. And they're both good. And they're both excellent. (laughs) What's been going on with you? The last time I chatted with you on our podcast... Uh, I was going to a concert with my cousin and mm-hmm. my friend, and it was amazing. We went to, I'm just going to say, we went to Seattle and Tacoma and, um, let me su- I mean, I don't know who has been to Seattle and it's listening, but let me sum up the difference between Seattle and Tacoma for you. I mean, there's many reasons and a lot of people are probably like, I know what they are, but. It's 30 minutes to get to Seattle from Tacoma. Mm-hmm. The day of the concert, we gave ourselves a lot of time to play because my cousin had never been mm-hmm. there before. We gave ourselves a lot of time to come home. It took us two hours to get to Tacoma. <laughs> so we oh were almost gosh. late to our concert, but it was amazing.
1: Yeah, it looked really fun. And you are currently wearing a shirt from that yes. concert. I'm wearing my TWICE
0: shirt. Mm-hmm. And... um I've been wearing it a lot. It has cat hair on it. I mean,
1: as any shirt does, as any
0: shirt should have. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. So other than that, I've just been like recuperating by not sleeping and working a lot too. Mm -hmm.
1: And we also had our fun little Valley of the dolls watch party.
0: Yes, we did, which we didn't know anything about. We just knew that Sharon Tate was in it and we love her. We love her. We really respect her. She had such a sad life, but we're like, you go, girl. We love you. Yeah. What an insane melodramatic movie. <laughs> it was like, yeah, the plot
1: was confusing. Confusing. And there was a lot of loose ends. And yeah, it was. I didn't
0: really. I thought there were actually dolls in it. I thought maybe dolls was like a term for women.
1: No. I thought so too. No, it's the pills. It's
0: actually pills. I didn't know that was a 60s term for pills. Yeah. The '60s were wild. Let's just say.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, we all dressed up '60s, and Sharon Tate was beautiful. The movie was beautiful. Sean Astin's mom
0: was there. <laughs> yeah, Sean Astin of the Goonies, his mom was there, and she not was not at the party, but she was in not the at movie. the party. But <laughs> she was screaming at the top of her lungs, and we were like, "What is this movie? This movie is crazy." Nice. I mean, it was, yeah, you're right. It was beautifully shot. Like it's mm-hmm. like pretty, mm-hmm. very aesthetic. Uh, but wow. We're like, who wrote this? I was like, you know what?
1: I can so see a lot angst. how this didn't do well critically at the time, but mm-hmm. is like a cult classic now.
0: Right. Because of the beauty of it. Yeah. Then that's it. Pretty much. Yeah. That's it. There's no takeaway other than the fact that they are like, oh, this is nice. The end. Yep. The, <laughs> the colors are pretty. The end. But it was a fun fever dream. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was actually what the 60s were.
1: Yeah. They're like, this is actually how it felt. This is how it <laughs> felt.
0: In between all of this, what has happened in real life? The uh, Titanic submersal imploded. Yes. And beyond that, orcas are coming together to sink yachts, which is actually our favorite thing in the world.
1: Yeah. Orcas are more organized than... Any
0: humans. They're I more bet. organized. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I don't even know. I mean, obviously they they talk to each other because they have their own language. Mm-hmm. But how do they get messages like across big oceans? Is it just like mm-hmm. a telephone, like a game of telephone where they're like, hey, meet us over here, we're gonna sink this ship, and then by the time it gets to the other group of <laughs> orcas, they're like, and bring a bag of chips they're like what i don't understand it's like yeah. real telephone <laughs> it's like
1: they're uh, they're like doing their whale call and they're like we're going to take this jerk down come and take him down with me like
0: i don't know what the whale version of that would be then the whales like beef jerkies going down i don't understand i <laughs> oh, better go over there and they're like oh the jerk not a jerky <laughs> yeah Yeah. That was one of my favorite things to play. Oh, telephone is telephone because I was the one that would just mess it all up. Oh, me
1: too. Right. For sure. Yeah. I'm like, even as a child, my hearing was not the best. So
0: we're like, she said radishes are her favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And then when it would finally get to the end, we're like, I did that. I did the radishes. I'm, I'm the radish girl. (laughs) But yeah, I really love orcas A. I think we both do. Oh, yeah. Um, I once saw orcas in the wild because we live near the ocean and I was so enthralled with them, but they were there for a very naughty reason. They were outside um, where a lot of sea lions go. So we were like, oh, beautiful. And And then I was like, like, uh oh, "Oh, this is like orca Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're like, oh, oh. But you know what? Hey, circle of life. It's just, it's what happens. And ever since I saw them, I was like, I love them. Even though TikTok keeps trying to tell us that they're like technically serial killers. Hey.
1: I'm like, they're animals. Calm down. Calm
0: down. They don't have like a reading and writing system. They.
1: Let's not ascribe like
0: sociopathy to animals. Wow. You have got some good words today. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, these orcas are not Austinian. If anything, <laughs> they're air Jane Eyre And no, Bronte. I like, if
1: anything, I feel like they're Jillian Flynn.
0: They're Jillian Flynn. Yeah. But if we were going to make orcas, the, orca, the or- main orcas, Amy Dunn. <laughs> the main orcas like <laughs> gone girl orca but if they were going to be like in a, like a Regency era, I feel like they're more Bronte than.
1: Oh, for sure. Very depressed and just raging.
0: Gothic, depressing. This Orca, he fell in love with this other Orca, but he was married. And the the Orca he's married to is locked in the attic. Mm -hmm. Then she sets the house on fire. I'm giving away the ending of Jane Eyre. I hope I didn't spoil it for you, but it's been it's like been a long so time. So many years, you guys. Yeah. Come on, come on, and get there's it together. So
1: many adaptations. So
0: you just gotta get. It's good. It's a good story.
1: Yeah, i I've only seen the Mia Waskowska version. Mm-hmm. I know our friend has very strong feelings about. We, ha- which we have a mutual, is the best.
0: Yes, we have a mutual friend who is the most Jane Eyre elite to live on this side of the Atlantic. Like she's not living in England. She lives here with us, but, <laughs> but she's like, look, this is how Jane Eyre needs to be done. And it's with Ruth Wilson and that other guy, I forget his mm-hmm. name. She's like, look, I am Jane Eyre coded. She is. Yeah. This, our it's our friend, Kate. Shout she, out to Kate. Shout out to Kate. Kate is Jane Eyre exemplified. hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but with better life decisions.
0: Better life decisions, but also had a better start in life. Jane, You know, maybe that's the difference. I mean, I think most
1: of us had a better start in life than Jane Eyre, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you had a similar start to life as Jane Eyre, write us. Yeah. Send an email. We'd like to read about it.
1: Tell us about your... Uh, fiance's wife
0: locked in the attic, mm-hmm. and did she try to light you on fire? Yeah, it maybe sounds it's... crazy, but it was a book written many years ago, and it's considered classic literature.
1: Maybe y'all should team up. Maybe he's the problem. maybe he's
0: the problem. But he does end up going blind in the end. So he kind of reaps what he sows, And then yeah. he's like, I've learned my lesson because I can't <laughs> see anymore. <laughs> he's like, I saw the error of my ways and nothing else. <sighs> but yeah. yeah. But yeah, Orca. Orcas unite. We're with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up making some stickers like I, after we started like making our own stickers for the podcast. I just kind of branched out and was like, what else can I make? And so I've just been having fun with that.
1: I know. I want to get some of your stickers. I'm
0: just going to, I'll just get them and send them to you okay. or, or just bring them to you. <laughs> like a bushel like, of
1: stickers. Just send you random
0: ideas and be like, will you make this a sticker? Yes. I actually, to me, that's so fun. It's kind of like wasting my time, but I'm not wasting my time.
1: Exactly. You're, doing fun crafty things yeah
0: because I love wasting my time if there's anything I love to do me too but at the same time I love being busy so like if I'm wasting my time I feel guilty then it's like this way I can be wasting my time not feel guilty yeah and you wonder why I'm in therapy
1: you know what I really love to do I mean I don't physically love it but I must because I keep doing it Mm -hmm. is I love to waste my time Mm. take forever to do something wait till the last minute and then just put myself in crunch time.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, Me too.
1: Which I do all the time. It's called research.
0: I think that's like our neurodivergent. Yeah. Superpower. Oh, I have an hour left. Well, here's the greatest thing you've ever heard. (laughs) And the, the people receiving it are like, no, actually, this is pretty bad. And you're like, well. Well, to me, it's amazing. It's good for the time I did it. It's good. You <laughs> don't want to know how bad it looked before. It wasn't even around. <laughs> <sighs> good times. Good times. Good times with a bad brain. Yes. Gotta love it. Is there anything you wanted to add before we jumped into uh, no. our stories for this time? I, I was gonna say this week, but we're every other week, so every time I say this week, I mean this week of this two-week time. This week for the interview. <laughs> yes. No, okay. we're ready, alright? So I'm going first this time. Yes. This is a story that I just I have to laugh. I had this ready to go for last week. Not last week, I mean two weeks ago, for yeah. last time. And then I changed it last minute because the phony Rockefeller was just too... I mean, like, I kind of got stuck on it, and I was like, this is too funny. Mm-hmm. I, just have to, I just have to do it. This is something that would have been really timely the last time. It's still timely now. It's actually kind of ironic, but I think it's worth telling because it's a survivor story. But it is the unsinkable woman, Violet Jessup, who was one of the survivors of the titanic and a few other things we will learn yeah so violet jessup my sources for this are uh the book um titanic survivor memoirs of violet jessup written by violet jessup and all that's interesting article written by katie serena and encyclopedia titanica Ah, see, they're like, ah, got you there. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a Titanic encyclopedia, but they're like, we're funny. This is funny. They're like, this is a good pun. This is a good pun. Okay, so here we are. We are um, on the Titanic. It's right before midnight on April 14th, 1912. Put yourself there. It's very Downton Abbey. Okay,
1: I'm closing my eyes. Close your eyes.
0: You're there. There's a lot of dresses and it's beautiful and gilded. However, our girl, Violet, she is a stewardess. So she would be like the, the help of Down Abbey, but this is Titanic. So she's a Titanic stewardess and she's settling into her bunk. She's flipping through some magazines. She's reading a prayer because she is a very devout Irish Catholic. And then she starts to drift off to sleep when suddenly a heavy crash jolts her awake. And this is when chaos erupts. And we all know this. We've seen the movie. Yes. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sure you know like, this is an unsinkable ship. What is happening? So, however, less than three hours later from this moment, Violet will find herself in a lifeboat floating atop the freezing North Atlantic, one of 706 survivors, only to watch as the unsinkable Titanic sinks beneath pitch black waters. And at this point in her life, she is only 25. Oh my gosh. And she has already been victim to another ship crash. (laughs) So this is her second one. So she's kind of probably like, Oh boy. But, um, well, we will get back to that. So let's just jump into who Violet is. So Violet Constance Jessup She was born in Bahia Blanca, Argentina in 1887. She was the first uh, child of Irish Catholic immigrants who relocated to South America to become sheep farmers, which just sounds very cute. It does. It was said that her childhood was plagued by illness, which is pretty common for that time (laughs) period. And this included typhoid and tuberculosis. Mm. And it said the tuberculosis nearly killed her as doctors gave her parents um, bad news saying she has you know just months to live. Mm. But as we learn, Violet has a very strong will. And it said that her recovery was miraculous. And the editor of her memoirs, his name was John Maxton Graham. He said, quote, it was almost as if her fierce will healed her. Oh. She's like, not today. She's like, I'm not done. I'm not done. She's like, I gotta go do some stuff. <laughs> okay. So in 1903, um, Violet's father passes away and sixteen-year-old Violet and her family relocate to England. And in order to support her family, as they had lost their source of income, the mother um of the family, her name is Catherine, she became a ship stewardess for the Royal mail line. And this is essentially a servant for wealthy passengers Mm -hmm. and the Royal mail line crosses the Atlantic. It doesn't always necessarily mean the North Atlantic where it's cold. It can be kind of up and down and all around. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) while she was doing this, Violet attended convent school. And so five years go by. um, Unfortunately, Violet's mother, Uh, She falls ill, and now Violet, being just 21 years old, is the sole supporter for her, her mother, and her five younger siblings. Oh, my goodness. It's a lot. So, because she had only just gone to convent school, she follows her mother's footsteps and decides to become a stewardess. At first, she had trouble finding work on ships, as she was considered too young and too attractive, Oh, okay. It said she had gray blue eyes and auburn hair and an Irish accent. Like, you know, the three, the trifecta. <laughs> They're
1: like, you're too powerful. You're too
0: powerful. Look at your face and you're listening to you. It was said she had, um, three proposals of marriage over the course of her career and one from a wealthy first class passenger. So I don't wow. know why she didn't jump on that, but maybe he was kind of weird. Maybe a little sus. Yeah. So unfortunately for Violet, she had to make herself look frumpy for her interviews, but uh, she won them over with her pleasant personality and the fact that she spoke English, Spanish and French fluently. So she was finally able to land this job. At first she started uh, with the Royal Mail line, like her mother worked for. Um, She did this for two years and by 1910, she joined the White Star line and was able to sail on the Majestic. And originally she did not want to work for them because she didn't like the idea of just sailing in the northern part of the Atlantic because of severe weather conditions. It gets very cold. And she had also heard scary stories of demanding wealthy passengers. So (laughs) it's kind of like, no. But she took the job nevertheless. So while working for the White Star Line, she worked 17 hours a day, she was paid two pounds, 10 pence per month, which I looked it up in today's money. It's only like 200 pounds a month, oh, okay. which is still not, I mean, that's not very much at all. No. For especially working full time like that. She worked in, uh, first class cabins. She attended to, um, passengers, many and varied needs she made beds, brought in breakfast trays, cleaned bathrooms, arranged flowers, and ran errands. I'm not really sure what, what kind of errands you would run on a boat.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: I don't know. They're like, um, miss, would you please go out and see if the ocean is still outside, please?
1: <laughs> I'm like imagining like the shopping centers that are on cruises now, but I'm like, have mm, then? I, I don't know. I don't know. I literally have no
0: idea. I've seen pictures of the Titanic before it sank, and I don't know if the Majestic was the same, Mm -hmm. but it's like beautiful, but it didn't really have shopping, I don't think.
1: Yeah. Maybe like dog grooming. Maybe like (laughs) fetching towels. Fetching towels. I don't know. Drinks.
0: Changing diapers. (laughs) Uh, In her memoirs, it was said, quote, that there was no aspect of service that was not her or her colleague's responsibility. Sounds a little ominous. It does. Yeah. Sounds like a colicky baby in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Will you please hold this baby? I've got to go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So by 1910, Violet leaves the Majestic for the RMS Olympic, which this is a very big deal. The Olympic is the first of the three sister ships that are going to be like the glitz and glamour of the White Star Line that really show off the, like, the wealthy elite of if you are fancy, you will be on one of these ships. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of a, a big deal. The Olympic was met with a lot of fanfare. And speaking of White Star Line... Um, I'm just going to give a little background on them. So this company started in Liverpool in 1854. So between 1854 and 1870, they used sailing ships and they were like really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like the kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, full mast, beautiful. That would be cool. The first well-known ship for the White Star Line was called the RMS Taylor. (laughs) And sadly for the tailor, it was known as the first Titanic. Oh. And there's no way to be known as the first... Tit- like, there's no good way to be known for that. No. There's Yeah. And this is due to lifeboat issues, major loss of life, maiden voyage. Um, it ran aground, and they were in an area that they couldn't safely depart the ship. They were, like, near a lot of rocks. And unlike the Titanic, however... It had fewer female survivors. It said three women out of two hundred on board survived. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they said they kind of they were. It's like a rough estimate because this the ship the Taylor was bound for Australia, mm-hmm. and it had a lot of immigrants. They weren't all accounted for, but they guessed probably around six hundred died. Were men just like shoving the women out of
1: the way? You no, know what something? they
0: said because I looked it up, and they said unfortunately due to um, female clothing styles at the time, they were heavy Uh and they sink, which is dreadful. Like you can't like, and and maybe not even like educated swimmers. So you're like paddle, paddle, paddle. And then you're like, Oh my skirt is heavier than heck. Like I gotta help me. And then you just kind of get left there. Uh, so the arm Taylor was kind of a bummer. And if you look at the list of the White Star ships, so many of them, I guess the nature of this work is it's like every ship was like scrapped 15 years later, ran aground, sank, ran aground, <laughs> sank. I mean it's like they don't survive. That yeah. was and like airlines are different nowadays, thankfully it's not like, well, you're you're on here until it crashes. No. Ships, it was like there was just no way to keep a ship alive for very many years Mm -hmm. because the ocean be crazy. Yes. So by 1870, the White Star Line started their fancier line. They had steamships, they still had sails, but it was like they're like combining the two. And this is when they started ending all of the ship names well, like 90% of them in IC. So, like the first one's the oceanic. Which was considered the mother of modern liners. Um, so the IC names are like Albertic, Laurentic, Homeric, Ceramic, what? Traffic. Traffic is a real name of one of the White Star Line ships. Oh which it just cracked me up. Like, was somebody going through the dictionary and they're like, What word can I put an IC at the end to?
1: That is so funny. And they're like, you know. This one just runs
0: into a lot of traffic in the ocean. Right? And like and this is the Aramis Orthopedic. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Titanic had a different name? Like what would James Cameron still want to make this beautiful movie out of the ceramic? I don't I don't know. know. But I think they kind of probably saved the fancier names for these the yeah. bigger ships. This so it doesn't sound quite as majestic. No. Uh okay, so By 1933, the White Star Line was hit hard by the Great Depression. It merged with the Cunard Company. And then by the 60s, the White Star Line had its very last ship put out of commission. Eventually, Cunard was purchased by Carnival, (laughs) which is funny because it's like carnival ships are like the ultimate demise of what happened to like the beauty the beauty of the titanic and now it's just a ship going to mexico yep to overdrink. but it is said that because there are still cunard ships and they're fancier than the carnival ships mm-hmm. nothing against carnival i'm sure they're very nice but um the cunard ships will fly a white star flag on april 15th for the titanic every year oh, okay. which is very nice And then it is said that to this day, there is still a White Star Line office in Liverpool, and there's one remaining ship called the Nomadic, and it's dry docked in Belfast, Northern Ireland, that you can go see, which would be really, really cool. Anyway, okay. So enough about them. We're going back to the Olympic with Violet. Um, So she was happy on the Olympic. It was working out great. And the Titanic, although being newer, didn't really appeal to her, and And this is fine because she had no reason to go to the Titanic. She was fine staying where she was. However, on September 20th, 1911, the Olympic collided with the British cruiser HMS Hawk. The Olympic suffered a major rip below the waterline and started to sink but managed to limp home to England. Mm. Which it was like, oh, thank goodness. While the Olympic was docked for repairs and despite her reservations about the Titanic she was persuaded by her friends who thought it would be, quote, a wonderful experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she dressed in an uh, ankle-length brown suit and set out in a horse-drawn cab to join the brand-new ship at her berth in Southampton, England. Uh, so she was ready herself for the maiden voyage, and it's, it was really exciting because it was so beautiful. Just And the Olympic... The Olympic actually had more fanfare, like more was written about it. I mean, it was like the f- the first of the three sisters. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like the Titanic was like the awkward middle child. Sure was. Sure was. And but people were like, "Well, okay, I guess we'll like this one too." And and so in her memoirs, she talked a lot about the crew that she met One that she greatly admired was Thomas Andrews, who was the ship's designer. And if you have seen the movie Titanic, he is played by Victor Garber. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, he is really kind and smart. I mean, he's the one that basically told the captain, you can, you have to stop. We're going to take on too much water. And then he's the one that told the crew, you're not filling these lifeboats up enough. Like he was the one that was like, what is happening? Everything's falling apart so mr andrews in real life was just as awesome he never failed to stop for a cheerful word he listened and spoke with the crew if the crew had any complaints he would be like okay let me take care of that and he kind of had a sadness about him because he didn't really want to go on this maiden voyage he wanted to stay home mm-hmm. so it was it's kind of it's it's extra sad because he felt like he had to go down with the ship. Yeah. And in the movie you see that he's just kind of waiting for for his time. Which I is, know. Yeah.
1: It's like the saddest and also like most, I don't know, noble part of the movie. Yes.
0: But I mean you do feel like that with the captain, but I feel like with the captain he kind of resides himself because he's like, I made a terrible mistake. Yeah. And you're like, Yeah, you you gotta go down, buddy, because if you don't, people are gonna be really mad. Uh, another person she mentions by name is a Scottish violinist, Jock Hume. And he's one of the violinists that played on the deck for everyone as they were trying to get Aww. into their lifeboats, which is just like, uh, so these are like amazing men mm-hmm. that she's like, she did not mention very many f- by name. And she's like, here are two men that were awesome. And Aww. yeah, it's, it's very touching. Yeah. Um, She did mention, however, by name, John Jacob Astor IV, who was one of the richest men in the world. Uh, He and his pregnant wife were on board. Her name was Madeline Force Astor. And their marriage caused a sensation because in 1911, it was pretty uh, unheard of to have a wife be pregnant before you get married. Uh, Yeah. And then so they get married. She's pregnant. He's 30 years older than her. Oh. Yeah, so it's just like whoa, but I guess they kind of like if you're rich, you can do what you want. So Jessup did not get a favorable impression of Madeline. She said, "quote Instead of a radiant woman of my imagination, I saw a quiet, pale, sad faced, dull young woman arriving listlessly on the arm of her husband." Wow, she
1: burned her to filth. Yeah,
0: she's like, girl, good thing you got money. Um. Jessup also mentioned a few other guests, but did not name them maybe just because they probably drowned and she's giving them a little dignity, but she did say there were a few rich, uh, demanding, um, passengers, one that arrived with many and strange needs, along with, quote, "never-ending boxes of flowers, presumably thank you offerings to march her departure." <laughs> <laughs> and then another woman who insisted that the furniture in her luxurious room be changed immediately, and, according to Jessup, spent her happiest moments watching the agonizing struggles of a couple of stewards tackling the job.) <laughs> So rich people haven't changed. <laughs> Literally everyone in customer service is groaning. <laughs> uh-huh. They're like, what do you mean you don't have this in pink? Can you look in the back? Ma'am, this is the Titanic. Can we... I speak to your manager? Yeah, You yeah. mean the captain? Yeah. So despite all this, she still loved her job. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, if you have a chance, look at the pictures of the Titanic. It is some of the prettiest architecture you've ever seen which is why it's so sad that it just it, it just went away yeah um in the evening when she finally had her free time she took uh time to have some fresh air on the deck every evening which was nice like time lovely. to herself yeah. yeah walking along the deck However, that fourth night, which was the, the night where they hit the iceberg, she said, quote, if the sun did fail to shine so brightly on the fourth day out, and if the little cold nip crept into the air as evening set in, it only served to emphasize the warmth and luxurious within. So the fourth day was the coldest and it's like, yeah, that was when it was the worst to, it's kind of like, like driving in bad weather, like, yeah. Yeah. You might slip and crash into a tree or you might slip and fall and crash into an iceberg.
1: Yeah. Which is worse. Which
0: is worse. Yeah. So Violet is back in her bunk. She's settling down. Uh, She's reading her prayer, which she said was a strangely worded prayer. She also made her roommate read it because she's Catholic. And it was a prayer that was supposed to protect her from water. And she was a devout Catholic, so she carried her rosary in her apron and believed strongly in the power of prayer, which, I mean, it's like, if that helped her, that's great. I mean, that probably helped ease her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the time uh, she was finished with all of her nightly duties, she was comfortably drowsy, not quite asleep, but then she heard, quote, a low, rending, crunching, ripping sound. At first, she assumed it was a drill because the unseekable Titanic could not possibly be in danger, obviously. Of course not. Of course not. She was ordered on deck and helped passengers adjust their lifeboats. She reminded them to dress warmly, take blankets, and pack up their valuables. Um, And then she moved room to room, promising those that it was merely a precautionary measure, as she herself could not really comprehend the the catastrophe that was looming. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, uh sometime after a ship's officer ordered us onto a boat which was a boat 16 first to show some women that w- it was safe as the boat was being lowered the officer called here miss jessup look after this baby and a bundle was dropped into my lap oh my gosh yeah the boat was lowered into the ocean with a bone cracking thud and the baby started to cry so she held the baby while watching the Titanic's bow sink further into the water and then watched it snap into. I couldn't even imagine watching this happen. You're literally holding a crying baby, you have no idea whose baby this is.
1: I know. I'm like literally just watching the movie is upsetting, upsetting enough, enough. But being like literally just looking up from the water and just seeing that destruction.
0: And you're seeing people fall, you're and seeing screaming. people screaming. Yeah. I mean, the chaos that was before her eyes. And meanwhile, she's like, now I have to take care of this baby. Yeah. This random baby. (laughs) Right. So now she's stranded upon the expanse of the Atlantic. And if you, if you think about it, I mean, the Atlantic is huge. Mm -hmm. It's cold. There's no one else around this giant boat. It's been four days since you've been on it. There's no land you're stuck on this little boat Mm -hmm. and you have a baby. So she was afraid that this baby was going to die in her arms, which I don't know if she was like, she was like mentally preparing herself for that. Um, But she had an extra blanket with her. So she just like wrapped it up as best as she could. And she said it fell asleep, which is sweet. I did see a TikTok recently that talked about how um, mostly women were the survivors Mm -hmm. and they were the ones that reported the Titanic broke in half and nobody believed them because they were women saying it. Oh, of course. Until a man came forward and was like, yes, it, it, it broke in half. And they're like, you guys had broken half. And all these women were like, are you kidding me? All of those women are just like screaming, crying, mm-hmm. pulling out there. <laughs> <laughs> screaming, crying, throwing up, punching the closest guy in the face. Yeah. Some, some random guy was like, hey, you guys, did you hear the uh, Titanic broken half? And they're like, Okay, here's the sound of reason. This man said a broken half. Yeah, it's men and the audacity. Truly. Okay, so after eight hours, Violet and the others are picked up by the Carpathia, and she said, quote, I was still clutching the baby against my hard cork life belt when a woman leapt at me and grabbed the baby and rushed off with it. It appeared she put the baby down on the deck of the Titanic while she went went off to fetch something, when she came back, the baby had gone. I was too frozen and numb to think it strange this woman had not stopped to say thank you. <laughs> Which, I'm like, I understand it from both sides. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that woman was going through that the fact that her baby was just gone. Mm-hmm. She probably was just like sick to her stomach. Yeah. But this other woman was like, "Hello!" I'm like I literally held this baby in my arms for eight hours. Can you at least... <laughs> She's like, I probably saved your baby's life. I saved your baby's life. You're welcome. Um, so it is safe to say Violet was not eager to return to a life at sea. What? She, she probably went back to England and she was probably like, goodbye everyone. I'll remember you all in therapy. <laughs> but however, she could not find a job elsewhere that paid as well. Like she, it's like, it's what she knew yeah. she needed to work and life was hard. So she went back to the ocean so she was now stationed on the Britannic, the third of the three sister ships. <laughs> She's probably like third times the charm, right, everyone? <laughs> she looks at the co- the camera like Jim from the Office. <laughs> this was this is the one. I, I have a good feeling about this. So while she is on the Britannic, World War One breaks out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the beautiful Britannic is. Changed to a hospital ship, and now she is no longer a stewardess. She is a nurse. They're like, new job for you. New job for you. It's funny. In this day and age, I mean, you have to do so much schooling to be a nurse, but back then they're like, hey, if you put on this hat, you're now a nurse. Yeah, you're alive. <laughs> you can be a nurse. Hey, can you um, draw, like, wrap this guy's broken arm? That <laughs> looks fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, she's like, you just tie it with the bow. It's fine. So she's on the Britannic, she's a nurse, she's trying her best, and in uh, November 1916, so it's on the 21st of November, the Britannic hits a floating German mine, (laughs) and it begins to sink rapidly into the Aegean Sea. I'm sure at this point she's like, you know what, I'm done with you people. She's like, who wants me dead? (laughs) Who wants me dead? But she's also like, not today because she's, she's violent, and she has a strong will. She's tough. Mm-hmm. Again, she's ordered to the lifeboats, and she <laughs> was like, wait a minute, and she races back to her cabin to gather a few personal items, including her prayer book, because that's important, and one in particular that was also important. She said in her memoir that she recalled the words of a friend, quote, never undertake another disaster without first making sure of your toothbrush, end quote.
1: Of all the things that you were going to say, I wouldn't have said <laughs> right.
0: Prayer book, got it. Toothbrush? I put 10 out of 10 dentists agree. That elusive 10th dentist, you know, it's usually like 9 out of 10 yes. dentists. All the dentists are like, that girl's got it going on.
1: They're all like, you know what? You may be lost at sea, but you can
0: use a toothbrush. But you have some amazing white teeth. Mm-hmm. And the reason why she took this advice to heart is because... Uh, she said in her memoir there has always been much fun at her expense after the Titanic because she complained of her inability to get a toothbrush, which is actually <laughs> really sad because I imagine she's probably like, like, you know, that feeling of like, oh, my, I would really love to brush my teeth. Like mm-hmm. the world just fell down around me. Can I at least get my teeth cleaned? And yeah.
1: It's like. The one tiny thing that's nagging you when, like, the most traumatic
0: thing. Yeah, happens. like, if I could just clean my teeth. Mm-hmm. So, she, you know, here she is. She's like, I got it. So, toothbrush, prayer book, in hand, she was disembarking on a lifeboat with some of her shipmates as they watched in horror as the Britannic's propellers were still moving. So, if you remember in the, the Titanic, mm-hmm. they, were, they had the wherewithal to stop the ship like they literally were like we're dead in the water let's turn off the engines yeah the britannic did not have the time because they hit a mine yeah the propellers are sucking in passengers and <gasps> boats alike with their blades no. she said she watched as the water just turned red no yeah oh, and God. despite all of her years on the ocean she still did not know how to swim girl girl i mean she's like hey i got to i got to take care of a family i've got to think about how to brush my teeth when i can't she's like i literally
1: just got back from my last disaster
0: please i don't have time for hobbies um so she said she clutched her life belt and jumped overboard and when she surfaced her head hit the ship's keel and she said her brain shook like a solid body and a bottle of liquid and so she was able to uh, to grab a spare life belt that was floating by and hang on until uh, one of the safe lifeboats of the Britannic picked her up. So yet again, she survived a White stern Line maritime disaster, and she was fine. But it was said her um, blow to the skull would cause headaches for years to come. Yeah, I so bet. <laughs> so it was just like the one the one thing. Me, at least,
1: should get chopped up by the
0: propeller. Right, I. You know, she's like, on one hand, I would rather take this headache over that. So despite her tumultuous experiences in the ocean, she continued to work in passenger service for large ships. She rejoined the White Star Line after the war and then subsequently signed on to a new company called the Red Star Line, which I looked it up and they are not the same company. Could you imagine them being like... I am a disgruntled worker. I'm going to start my own line and I am now the Red Star Line. <laughs> Take that. The Red Star Line sent Jessup around the world on five cruises. She actually had much better time on the Red Star Line, she well, which good. is very good. It was said in her 30s that she had a brief and disastrous marriage uh, and she never gave the name of her husband, which has long eluded researchers because they have never been able to find his name and she's like don't look for it. She's like, I don't, I don't want to talk I about him. I don't want to talk about him. And it was said they had no children. So after a period of working various clerical, cl- wow, clerical jobs on shore for shipping companies, um, she returned to sea for two more years on the Royal Mail Line's voyages to South America. Finally, by 1950, at the age of 63, she retired and moved to the countryside and she retired to a 16th century thatched cottage in Great Ashfield, Suffolk, Aww. which is just lovely sounding. So nice. She's probably like kissing the ground every day.
1: Yeah. I want to be a landlocked.
0: Yeah. She said that she was happy to spend her last years firmly planted on land. I bet. She filled her home with mementos of her 42 years at sea and looked after a gaggle of hens. I don't know oh. if gaggle is the right term, but... Um, and she sold the eggs for extra income. And then she um, tended and cultivated a beautiful garden. That sounds so happy. Yeah. She died of congestive heart failure at the age of 84 in 1971. Wow. Which is actually not that long ago. And that is the story of the unsinkable Violet Jessup. That was she, so the survivor bad. of the three <laughs> sister ships. Who are out to get her. Mega survivor. Mega survivor. She's like, hey, have you ever been in a shipwreck? Because I have something to tell you.
1: <laughs> I feel like probably after so many shipwrecks, she probably kept going and is like, hey, I've literally been through the worst. Like, what is it going to happen a fourth
0: time? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, clearly not. And then she's like, I should, probably shouldn't risk it. But it didn't. No, that's good. I mean, unless it was something little, I I didn't ever find it mentioned, yeah. so... She's like, after three times, you're done. If Good you survive, her. it's like being a bridesmaid. She's like, if you've done it three times, never a bride. <laughs> no. Three dead. strikes, you're out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was just, what a cool lady. She just sounded so like, level-headed all mm-hmm. the time. Like The fact that she's like, and now there's a baby. And now I can't find my toothbrush. She's like, you know what? I'll just take care of this baby,
1: and I'll make sure I don't get sucked into this uh, turbine. Yep. Yeah
0: yeah she she truly (laughs) is a hero (laughs) because Mm -hmm. not only that she's also working 17 hour days i'm like i could never yeah girl i could never with like the richest people the richest most demanding snootiest people
1: oh gosh yeah no
0: the um what was his name Billy Zane, the Billy Zanes of the world. <laughs> yes. I, I literally, Cal. Ca- Cal, I just watched the latter half of the Titanic mm-hmm. a few days ago to kind of like prepare myself for this. And I'm like, this is so upsetting. No matter how many times you watch it, it's probably so similar to how it was. It, been, it And it might've even been worse. Like mm-hmm. I know there's, there's scenes that were films that they didn't add. Cause it was too sad. Mm-hmm. Like the dogs in the water. <gasps> yeah. Um, but she's just like, not only that, but I'm, I'm going to do this and go back to the ocean. <laughs> Seriously. I hope she did learn to swim eventually. I that hope would be so too. That would be like a nice cherry on top. That's like,
1: uh, risking it a little too much.
0: Yeah. She's like my one greatest enemy, the ocean. <laughs> Will it get me? But also my greatest love. My greatest love. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, it was like a love hate relationship. That's true.
1: right well let's take a break before I do mine one two three okay
0: does that work is it
1: is it good yeah okay (laughs) we're like how do we do this (laughs) okay so now it is my (laughs) turn It's
0: my turn.
1: <laughs> and this week, I actually am going to do a happy and uplifting story. That's happy.
0: I kind of feel like mine was a little uplifting. It was, because she survived she all survived. the things. I mean, there was a little bit of death. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that yours is going to be as uplifting as... As your, can be. As your face <laughs> says. <laughs> your face is telling me uplifting. Good. Okay, so the
1: sources for my story are um oh, you know what? Actually, I should probably say what it is first. <laughs> so, the story is about Team Hoyt, the story of Dick Hoyt and his son Rick Hoyt. And my sources were
0: Dick and
1: Rick? Dick and Rick. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> my sources were Wikipedia Uh, Your History, Your Story podcast that has um, an interview with Rick Hoyt and his brother Russ. Triathlon Magazine, uh, and the article is by Kevin McCannon, and then an article from Triathlon Inspires. Okay, so this story is about a father-son duo who completed many athletic competitions including the Boston Marathon and Ironman triathlons, but there is something extra special about this father-son duo. So Rick Hoyt was born January 10th, 1962 to Dick and Judy Hoyt, and he was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, which causes a Mm. block of oxygen flow, and then he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Did I say that right? Cerebral palsy? Uh, Cerebral
0: palsy. Cerebral palsy. syrup. Cerebr- I think it's good either way. Okay. I have no idea.
1: Um, and doctors encouraged Rick's parents to put him in a facility, saying that he would be nothing more than a
0: vegetable. Oh, what year was this again? Uh, this was
1: 1962.
0: Oh, isn't it sad that the 60s, while being not that long ago, they also seem so archaic? They really do. With medicine, medicine, yeah. But fortunately for Rick, he
1: had awesome parents Mm. who were like, no, that is unacceptable. We are going to do everything we can to give Rick a normal life. And his cerebral palsy gave him little control over his limbs or his tongue. uh, So he was unable to move or speak well, but he had no brain damage. And one of the things that his parents held on to, when he was born was that his eyes would follow them around the room so they could see that, you know, there was something going on in there. Mm. So Rick's mother, Judy spent hours a day teaching Rick the alphabet and posting signs on every object in the house to uh, help him to learn like the tactile alphabet. And at age 11, he was fitted with a computer that enabled him to communicate. And it was clear when he was able to communicate with them, that Rick was pretty intelligent. And um, he was born and raised in Massachusetts, although they moved around quite a bit due to uh, his father Dick's uh, military career. Rick had two younger brothers, Russ and Rob, and uh, his parents were so cute. Dick and Judy were high school sweethearts, And she was a cheerleader, and he was captain of the football team. Oh, my gosh. And it was said in their yearbook that uh, they were like coffee and tea. You wouldn't often find one without the other. Oh, that's cute. And when they asked Dick what the best part of high school was, he said going with Judy. Oh. So they are super cute. They're like proof that true love exists. (laughs) I know. And that good people exist. I know, and good parents And before his military career, Dick was a mason, and he built brick chimneys. And then he later joined the Army National Guard and transferred to the International Guard and hoped to become a pilot. But uh, he was past the age requirement. So he had a long military career, and he became the fitness officer at the base, which is very fitting for the rest of this story. (laughs)
0: Oh.
1: And... um. So Rick initially got interested in racing when he heard about a race that would benefit a lacrosse player at his school who had become paralyzed. Uh, His, I believe it was his PE teacher said that uh, he should ask his family to participate in the race. And Rick was very excited about the thought of benefiting another student. And so Dick would run while pushing Rick in a wheelchair However, Dick was not an athlete. I mean, no, sorry. he Dick was an
0: athlete. <laughs> he was the fitness person. We're like, no, we are not an athlete <laughs> yes. in this house. <laughs> no, we, we can't be. If we uh, will. But we're not. But we're not.
1: But he was not a natural runner or a swimmer. He would run a mile or two, but never got... Much longer than that. And in high school, when he was swimming, he was called the rock because he would sink when he tried to swim. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was like a pretty, like a sturdy, He's, stout guy. He probably had a lot of muscle. Yeah. But he was determined to train and even taught himself how to swim. And to train for running, when Rick was in school, Dick would run pushing a bag of cement in a wheelchair. Wow. And so... Uh, new training tip for me.
0: I'm like, try the bag of submit (laughs) trick.
1: Right. And then presumably you won't push someone in a wheelchair. So it'll be lighter when you do it yourself. Yeah. So that is how Dick and Rick would do the race. Uh, Rick would sit in the wheelchair and Dick would push him along the course. Dick weighed 180 pounds. And when they would do, uh, triathlons, they would have to do, you know, biking, swimming, mm, running. Right. So Dick already weighed 180 pounds. The bike weighed about 70 and Rick weighed hundred pounds, totaling 350 pounds for Dick to carry. Oh my gosh. 200 pounds more than the average triathlete on their bike. Um, and at first when they, started uh decided to start racing people told them no they were worried about like how it would go with rick and the wheelchair and they, they worried
0: about the liability for rick
1: i think probably partly the liability but also you have to qualify first to participate in like the boston marathon oh i see and so the first time they tried to run the boston marathon they were told no so they went to a marine corps marathon and ran a two hour and 40 minute marathon and then they were able to qualify for the Boston Marathon under Rick's age, which made it even harder for Rick, uh, for Dick, because he couldn't qualify under his age. It was under his son's age, so it was like even more difficult parameters since because uh, he had
0: young people around him. Because
1: his son was twenty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and then Dick was approached by uh, the, not the owner the organizer of the Boston marathon and told that he would be a great triathlete, but he said he would only do it if he could do it with Rick. And initially they said no, but the, they really wanted him to be able to do the triathlon. So
0: and real quick, sorry. Is this at in the seventies or eighties is the seventies. Okay.
1: Is when they first started, when they first started. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so for the swimming portion, they got a boat that he could pull, Rick in while he was swimming. Oh
0: my gosh. And
1: then they got a modified back that, oh my gosh, a modified bike that would be able to carry Rick. And the motto of Team Hoyt, which is what they refer to them and their family, is yes we can, because they were told no many times. So they always said, yes Yes, we we can." can. So Dick decided that this was going to be something that they would keep doing because Rick said that when they were racing, he felt like his disability wasn't there. He said he just felt normal. So his father was motivated to keep doing races, to keep uh, Rick having this feeling of feeling normal and feeling like other kids.
0: Aww.
1: So altogether, they did uh, 1,130 different events. They ran the Boston Marathon 32 consecutive years and completed seven Ironman triathlons. They completed the Ironman championship and went to Hawaii, many 5Ks and triathlons, Ironman Germany, Ironman Japan, etc. They just were crushing all of the competitions. Oh my gosh. And for those who don't know, which I certainly didn't know before this, the Ironman competitions consist of a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run.
0: And you're doing this with two people you're instead doing of one. <laughs> it's
1: two people. I, I
0: can't do any of those with just by myself. I well, feel like Dick Hoyt is like my fitness goal for the rest of my life. I'm like, like are you uh, an Avenger? <laughs> it's he's like, don't look too closely at me because I'm actually Captain America.
1: He's like, actually, I'm I'm cooler than them because I'm not destroying cities. I'm helping my son. That's true.
0: <laughs> I know. Would an Avenger help their son run a triathlon?
1: I mean, they probably would, but they would probably like cause some chaos they probably would, in yeah. the meantime. Okay, so uh, going back to their family, uh, the family was very supportive of Rick and of dick of course um they were always there with them for all of the races and even as a child uh rick's family always made sure that he was treated like the other children and always included his brothers were very supportive of him they did everything together and if someone wasn't supportive of rick then his brothers would not hang out with them because wherever uh their brother went they went
0: i love that so much
1: i know it's so sweet And, you know, they would take him swimming during family vacations and sledding. Uh, Their brothers told the story on uh, the podcast I listened to of when they would go swimming to the lake. It would be Rick and his two younger brothers would take him to the lake while the parents were setting up. And one of them would drop him in. And then wait a couple seconds, and then the other one would come in, swim, and pick him up. And standers-by would be freaking out, thinking they're, like, abusing uh, their... Or drowning <laughs> or, kid. Or, like, drowning this disabled kid. But Rick was having the time of his life, and he would just be cracking up when they would pull him up out of the water. <laughs> and so there's, you know, there's acting like brothers with right, each other. exactly. Which is what you're supposed to do. And then... Um, I'm so itchy today. Don't worry, I'll edit all It's, it's probably out. allergies. I know. I think allergies and something bit me.
0: Ah, those biters. Uh, beep boop bop. Beep boop bop. Beep. Beep. Why I'm testing can't to see? I find if you're there, don't say anything for a second. Hello. Oh yeah, it does pick me up. The microphone picks me up. Only a little bit, though. Only a little bit. Okay, good. Only a little bit. Um, okay.
1: So, back to the racing. Uh, so, Rick's brothers and mother helped with all of their races, and they were kind of like his pit crew, making sure that the boat was inflated for Rick, holding the bike while Rick was transferred, and when they went on uh, long uh races and would travel to different states. They would stay home and prepare meals to make sure that they were well fed and well hydrated. And they had a bike specifically modified so that Rick could be sitting in the front and his father could reach around and squirt water in his mouth during the race to make sure that he was hydrated. Oh, cute. But even though he wasn't running, racing was actually quite hard on Rick's body because he was at the front of the bike at the front of the wheelchair when his father's running or biking, and so he is breaking the wind for his father, and then the sun is beating down on him, mm-hmm. and his body would spasm during the race, but they made sure that he was well taken care of during the races, and he enjoyed it immensely. And uh, they also highlight that In a lot of this, their mother sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. You know, a lot of people talk about Rick and his father, but his mother did so much for Rick. She became an advocate for Rick, and she got the first-ever public education law in Massachusetts for students with disabilities. She later went back to school and got her master's in human services and created a summer camp for children with and without disabilities. And... Uh, She worked in human services, it sounds like, for the rest of her life and helped other children with disabilities get the access that they needed. Rick recounted a couple of the races that stuck in his mind. One of them uh, stuck in his mind for a bad reason because it was during the Boston Marathon bombings. Him and his father were running the race, and they were told that they had to stop And they knew something had happened, but they were worried because his brother and his children and his wife were at the end of the finish line waiting for them, and so they had to wait to find out if they were okay. But Mm -hmm. thankfully, all of his family was unharmed, and he also recounts another uh, race in Hawaii where they were finishing the race when it was midnight, and... It was dark out, and there was a huge crowd of people, and everyone was cheering for them as him and his father crossed the finish line, and his mother and his brothers were spraying them all over with champagne.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really happy. I know,
1: which that just sounds like the happiest scene in the world to me, just being like out on a hot night in Hawaii and just getting sprayed down with champagne. Hey, everyone's happy for you. Yeah, it sounds so happy. That does, that's a good memory. It is. And in 2005, uh, after they had gotten notoriety and support, the Hoyts created the Hoyt Foundation to help others with disabilities take part in athletic pursuits. They promote inclusion and raise disability awareness. Sadly, Dick Hoyt passed away March 17th, 2021 Mm. And after Dick passed away Three of his grandsons Cameron, Ryan, and Troy Completed the Boston Marathon In honor of their grandfather's legacy And former Bruins star Zeno Chara Also raced for Team Hoyt As their family were huge Bruins fans And then Rick actually just passed away On May 22nd, 2023 Oh, wow. That wasn't that long ago. That was like a month ago. I know. Yeah, it was It was very recently. But their family has continued with their legacy of Team Hoyt Foundation and set up a race. It was just about a week after Rick passed away. They had a race in his memory. Oh. And there is a bronze statue of the two of them near the start of the Boston Marathon in Hopkinton. And that is the story is so of sweet. Dick and Rick White.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I <laughs> I remember you sending me a TikTok about them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is making me cry. But it's like the sweetest, goodest story.
1: Yeah. it. I think it was like right after he had passed away, someone put together like a compilation of him and his father and their races over the years. And I think I had vaguely heard of them before, but I had never really looked into it. And just, like, seeing the footage of how sweet they were and, like, how hard his father worked to get him through these races just made me cry. And then when I listened to the podcast and heard how supportive the rest of his family was, I was like, this is just the most wonderful, heartwarming story. And I feel like everyone should know it. Yes.
0: that's Yeah, I don't think I have ever heard it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm like, I don't know if how I heard of it before, but it sounded somewhat familiar.
0: From your marathoning days.
1: Oh, oh yes. You know, me and my marathons. But uh, I also like on the podcast I listened to, it was probably not too long before Rick passed away. Him and his brother Russ were on a podcast talking about their family. And uh, Rick had pre-recorded his answers to the questions uh typing out his answers Mm. but they said that a lot of people have written them and their family saying that uh him and his father have inspired them to do more with their lives like get back their zest for life or just reach goals that they didn't think that they could reach because they're so inspiring and i got pretty inspired too i'm like
0: sitting here (laughs) thinking could i do something maybe i could i'm like i have really no excuses at all
1: i do have like some fitness goals so i'm like you know what may team hoyt inspire us and may we say
0: yes we can yes we can when someone says, no, you can't. And I'll be like, actually, I have something to tell you. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm like, to be fair,
1: usually it's me telling me, no, you can't. Yeah, so.
0: I'm my, wor- my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah.
1: We just have to say to each other, yes, you
0: can. I'm like, what would Dick say to you? What would Rick say to you? Yeah, I'd very be like, true. They'd be like, our names rhyme, and that is also not the only cutest thing about us. <laughs> uh, I, I mean i I do like athleticism. like I like playing sports. Mm-hmm. I'm not the greatest athlete, but I don't know if I could ever attain the greatness that is pushing someone in a wheelchair while running and biking and swimming.
1: Yeah, I There is something about like that like military type dedication it's and impressive. physicality like uh my grandpa he wasn't like a marathon or anything like that but he was in the military and he did have just like a crazy strengths like even though he wasn't like super athletic he was just crazy strong
0: it's funny that same with my grandpa he was also he was in the navy Mm -hmm. it's like they teach those guys how to do stuff yeah They have, they do have their problems, (laughs) but if anything, they learn how to organize and do
1: things. They're definitely very strong. They're strong people. Yeah. That's
0: the takeaway. I'm like, I, I am not a
1: runner, but, um, I would be interested in like learning how to swim more efficiently. Right.
0: I, I would too. I'd like to swim in your pool. I know. In fact.
1: It was closed this week for painting, so I didn't get to swim in it. Which is
0: sad, because today was an especially hot day. Mm -hmm. They're like, we're going to close it on the hottest week. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm like, but why? But yes,
1: I would love to have some of that Team Hoyt energy and learn how to swim. I know how to swim, but not like you know, the full-on backstrokes and stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, Same. Like I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but it's kind of like a chaotic swim, like a, I'll get there swim. Yeah.
1: I'm like, I would definitely survive if I had to in water, Mm -mm.
0: but it would not be elegant. (laughs) No, same. And I have done, I've done two, have I done more than two? I've done two half marathons. Mm -hmm. And after my second one, I was like, that's it. I'm not going to run a marathon anymore. Even a half. People will just like straight up be like, here's a full marathon. I'm going to run it. I I can't. I'm a a short distance runner, not a long yeah. distance runner.
1: I've only done 5Ks. I, this body was not built for running.
0: But it, I mean, hey, even a 5K is impressive. So. Yeah. so don't discount yourself.
1: I think one time I did do slightly longer than a 5K because, um, it was like, there was two separate courses on the race and me and my friend really had to use the bathroom before the race. So we like went and we're like, Oh, we'll just go use the bathroom. And then we come back and the guy was like, where have you guys been? The race started. And so we ended up going a different course. And so we ended up doing the longer
0: course. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I don't remember how long it was, but it was,
0: Slightly longer, I don't significantly know. longer. Yeah, longer than three miles, probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. Well, now I feel I feel pretty jazzed. I'm like, this is good. This is a good episode.
1: Yes, we can uh, survive disasters and we can overcome adversity.
0: Look at us. We're doing it. We are. We're overcoming a lot of things, and this is our eighth episode, which is just wild to think about that in 2 episodes from now it'll be 10 episodes it's like a mini milestone
1: it is that'll be exciting it'll be so
0: exciting i'm like what are we going to do how far know. can we go can we make it to 20 yeah yeah let's we'll do take it. it to a million whoa whoa i don't know about <laughs> that <laughs> i like, thought
1: when you said what are we going to do i thought you meant for the 10th episode and i was like get some cake <gasps>
0: Okay, like speaking of working out, I would like to get some cake. Well, you got to
1: reward yourself too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I love me some cake.
1: Mhm. <laughs> and here comes the time where we need to end our podcast. Yeah. Oh wait.
0: We need to do a quick little promo. Oh, we do have a promo. Mhm. I'm glad you remembered because Yes. I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Forgetting something. something got a promo code. That's so exciting. What a fun thing. I know.
1: Okay. So we would like to do a quick little promo slash shout out for a business that we love, uh, Nutmeg Resin Art. And you can find her on Bonanza and on Etsy. And... It's Studio gifts at Etsy.com
0: or it's, it's nutmeg gifts Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but, but we will also put the link in our bio on our Instagram. Yes, we will. And she was
1: also lovely and put in a uh, promo code for any of our listeners. It is stay curious, all caps, and you can get 15% off orders of $30 or more and she makes lovely
0: resin jewelry. Yeah, it's really beautiful. (laughs) Um, A mutual friend of ours, she had earrings and um, they were really unique looking and it was part of her wedding bouquet. (gasps) So it's kind of like it's sentimental. It's like you can keep things in resin and turn it into jewelry. It could be anything like your favorite flower or something super sentimental. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what a good idea. Yeah. But she also has like things for like cat lovers and people who like pretty stars and moons and
1: yes. Didn't she have a like little paw cat paws? Yes. Uh, I, I will like, definitely have to
0: get some of the cat right, paws. I know we have to rep our little podcast cats. Yes. Our and, little babies and our nutmeg resin. She's also on Bonanza. So it's dot uh, www.bonanza.com forward slash booths forward slash nutmeg underscore resin. And then the, of course the nutmeg studio Etsy.com. But then we will put those in our um, Instagram, so you can see them. Yes, so, so you can join us with the, the resin, the go, resin. Go check her out; she's great. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap this up? Um, I don't think so. That was the only thing on my mind. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was there was something nagging in the back of my brain. I'm like there is something, but you said it. Thank you. Way to go, you. I did it this you did time. It. You did it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, on that note. Uh, I'm, I'm Drew. And I'm Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting over and we're like, and hello, but also goodbye. Um, but yeah, be careful on any kind of big, large body of water. The ocean is going to get you if you're not careful. The ocean is here to remind us to stay humble. Don't get cocky. Yeah. And if anyone tries to tell you, no, you can't
1: to your dreams, just say, Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Unless those dreams are murder. That is my caveat.
0: Yeah, do not murder anyone, but also learn how to swim. Yeah. Important.
1: I mean, swimming is important in both of our stories, so. Very much so. Just, you know, if nothing else, a little doggy paddle might save you.
0: Right. Actually, one of my favorite things is finding the correlation between both of our stories. Me too. It's like, hey, and usually it's something as simple as, hey, people were in water, but still it's it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but other than that, I hope you guys stay healthy and be good and look out for each other and take care of your brain. Yeah. And uh, we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> good, good bite. <laughs>